Hey, what about that mouse hunt? Justice for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justice for Yikes. mouse hunt, please, please. I see we're still driving that sweet, sweet joke gravy train that is mouse hunt. It's not a joke, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> Audience, how about that? You'll never know what that first cut said. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely do not need to do the whole mouse hunt joke again. <laughs> No, that's not what I was doing. I was saying, guess you'll never know what came before this sentence. We hit it right out the park from the beginning. (laughs) Welcome to the Tough Cut Podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. And I'm Jake. And this is our sixth episode and part two of the Animal Protagonist Bracket. That's right. This is a bracket where we picked movies where animals <laughs> are the protagonist. I remind you, that's the theme of the bracket. And that's why all three of us picked movies where animals are the protagonist. Let's not put you on a high road yet, Alex. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if we had to go rates of picking things with animals as protagonist, you know, I'm sure we're all well above 50% of our picks. <laughs> 50% of three movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I get I, I get one and a half, I think. So you're right. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Coming at you today, we've got in the first half of the episode, Life of Pi versus Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And in the second half of the episode, we've got My, The Adventures of Milo and Otis versus Fantastic Mr. Fox. It will be an interesting episode. Content warning ahead of time. It is an apparent from the film Milo and Otis that animals were harmed in the production of the movie. We will be discussing this in some capacity. We won't be going into severe detail and it is likely we're going to talk about it. We will give another warning when we get closer to the content just in case, but just a heads up if you plan on watching the movie. It's something very important to keep in mind. Let's introduce these movies. Yeah, yeah. Let's hop into our, our first side of the bracket where animals are the protagonist. so coming up first we've got the life of pi which i pitched that is released in 2012 directed by ang lee it follows the story of a zookeeper's son as he get as he gets lost at sea his only companion a bengal tiger Hijinks are sure to are, are sure to ensue. How <laughs> you think they pitched this movie? This movie about spirituality and religion. Hijinks are sure to ensue. The movie tackles uh, faith versus reason, fact versus fiction, with some of the most gorgeous visuals and cinematography of the early 2010s. As to why I picked this movie, uh, <laughs> I just have fond memories of it. I think it's a very very beautiful movie. What were your guys' thoughts watching or rewatching this one? I actually really like this movie as well. I actually have a fun story. So my brother got his wisdom teeth out and it hit him really, really hard. And they drugged him out really, really like a lot during it. And the only thing that would calm him down was watching Life of Pi. That's the only thing in his drugged out state or whatever. He would request this movie over and over and over again. How long was he drugged out for? Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to take painkillers for a couple days. Yeah, a couple days. It was like literally two or three days. He was like, and even like not just like with pain when he was bedridden, all he wanted to see was Life of Pi, which is like wild. And I never really got it as like a kid, but like rewatching it again, like, yeah, beautiful movie. Kind of wild that Ang Lee made this. His resume of film is so funny. Like from the Incredible Hulk movie, (laughs) Brokeback Mountain to Will Smith's Gemini Man. Remember that? Hilarious. (laughs) 
hilarious. I had never seen this movie before. I know. I remember when it came out, my parents went and saw it because my mom had read the book and loved the book. And I remember explicitly not going with them and not seeing it and then never seeing it. Uh, So I watched (laughs) it for the first time and it was a really good movie. I think I tend to be pretty dismissive when like works generally talk about faith because I'm not a very religious person. But I think this movie does it in a very smart and interesting way. So, yeah, I was really impressed. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Jake, do you want to introduce who framed Roger Rabbit? I sure do. Oh, my God, guys. Another I'm batting a thousand with my with my movie picks. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I picked who framed Roger Rabbit and. It is by Robert Zemeckis, 1988. It's about down-on-his-luck private eye Eddie Valiant as he gets hired by a cartoon producer to investigate an adultery scandal involving the titular Roger Rabbit who gets eventually framed for murder and they have to figure out how to clear his name. It's a fun one. I loved this movie growing up. I think it's wild how much I think as a kid, I was just entranced by how much they mix like the Looney Tunes, Disney, like everything in this gritty private eye thing. I just thought I had so much fun with it. And even as an adult, there are a lot of satirical, amazing jokes made at the expense. And I'm surprised this is like under Disney's jurisdictions. I'm surprised they lent these characters for these jokes. So it's 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 very good. Very lovely. What do you guys think? I can hop on that one. So I don't actually think I had seen this movie in full. Same. I think it was just like one of those things that was like occasionally on in the background when I was a kid. Sitting down and actually getting the chance to watch it in full was a really, really great experience. A ton of fun. A super interesting concept executed really, really well. It's what the Happy Time Murders should have been. Uh, but we don't talk about those we on this show. We do not talk about the Happy Time <laughs> That's an awful movie. Anyway. I, I can throw my thoughts in the ring. I actually don't really like this movie. I think it's partially because I don't really like noir films. And it's partially because as a kid, I just got super burnt out on like, Looney Tunes and like specifically Tom and Jerry. I watched a lot of Tom and Jerry as a kid to a point where I kind of don't like it anymore. And so for me, this film kind of married two things that I don't really like. Granted, I think it does it very well and very effectively. I think it's like one of the best examples of a noir film. Uh, it's just not my not my cup of tea, but I think it's a good movie. Wow. So a little surprising for me. Uh, you hate the Looney Tunes, Vanilla Boy. That's it's uh, <laughs> you hate fun. Wait, you heard it here first, folks. Alex hates fun. Jake, I don't hate fun. I hate violence. One more thing I do want to throw out about this movie as... I don't know what the hell to call it. As the resident whiskey guy on the podcast, they drink a ton of very good bourbon or at least like (laughs) well-known, decent bourbon, most frequently wild turkey. Yeah. You see a whole bunch of it, even if they try to like face the labels away as much as they can. (laughs) Your boy got those eagle eyes and picked them out. Eagle rare eyes. (laughs) another whiskey brand sponsor us eagle rare please uh, i also <laughs> eagle rare if you are listening ignore everything i said about the drink i made prior um, <laughs> it, it was blasphemous i do rescind every i did it it was all illusion i never drank that awful drink please sponsor us if you don't understand <laughs> that joke go check out episode four it was the finale it was the finale yeah it's so funny that you mentioned the whiskey. I really was going to bring that up because uh, <laughs> I took notes on it as we went through. 
<laughs> Did you took notes on every single time of whiskey? Like, no, no, no. Just up? just there were the times there were like uh, major brands or like good whiskeys because Wild Turkey's some good stuff. And then mo- the second most <laughs> frequent that they drink throughout is George Dickel, which is fine. <laughs> well known, <laughs> but okay. Which is fine. With that, do you want to jump into actually talking about these movies in comparison? So I think we should address the elephant in the room or the lack thereof <laughs> okay all right now literally before each of you say anything i just need one moment one thing i did i did something because matthew said some very hurtful comments I and mean, i'm calling out matthew specifically i'll call out alex later but some very hurtful comments where he pulled up receipts for mouse hunt gore verbinski and he said this mouse literally doesn't show up 20 minutes into the movie and that was one of his arguing points. Now, here's the thing. I watched Life of Pi. I love Life of Pi. It's 21 minutes in. Do they mention the tiger? I know he shows up in a little bit. He, he, they yeah, show his, he like, shows up uh, approximately 90 seconds into the movie if we want to get technical about it because he's in the title sequence. No, I was going to I knew you were going to say something. I knew whatever. He's in the title <laughs> sequence. So I took note of it. It takes 21 minutes to mention the tiger extensively. And then 23 minutes to show Richard Parker in an actual scene. Uh, Richard Parker is the name of the tiger in an actual scene where he gets like length and then he disappears and doesn't show up until 41 <laughs> minutes into the movie. So I just want a slight apology. Here's the thing. I am kind and I am willing. If we're talking pure runtime, you see more of the tiger than you do the mouse. Wow. Is that true? I actually <laughs> yeah. acknowledge the Because hypocrisy. you spend the second hour and 20 minutes of Life of Pi with Richard oh, yeah. Parker, basically. That's true. Yeah, not That's the true. last 20 minutes of the movie. How dare you? Yeah, because he leaves without saying goodbye. I just want to acknowledge the hypocrisy. Just just for just for a second. Acknowledge just the, the piece, though, is that... It, uh, sure, sure. I also How took note on that. It's just you do see the tiger in the title crawl. Okay, you see technically the word mouse in <laughs> the title crawl of Mouse Hunt. So... This, as we know, doesn't actually bother me for I actually think there is a great uh, argument to be made that both Richard Parker and Roger Rabbit are protagonists in their respective films. I think Mouse Hunt doesn't do a good job of it, admittedly, (laughs) because uh, but I think Life of Pi like is way more like artistic about it. Like you could do a reading where the tiger is the protagonist because also spoiler again we're going to be spoiling this movie's spoiler i don't know if we did a spoiler we did actually <laughs> well here it is spoiler alert you know there's that ending where there's a reading of this film slash the book that you could make where the tiger is actually our main character um and he's telling a story about that so i get it i understand that i just i just needed needed to mention the 20 minutes just because i thought it was so <laughs> funny that it was literally like a minute off of when the tiger also shows up in this one. This is definitely, I think, the meat of our conversation is which of these animals is more of a protagonist. At least that's where that's how I'm going to decide my vote, because I have no idea where I'm going. I think for Life of Pi, it's the the Schrodinger's cat, if you will, of whether or not Pi is Richard Parker, which the whole point of the movie is not to decide which is the truth. It's to decide like which you prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to say which is in reality, like if Richard Parker is Pi. Then if you look at Roger Rabbit, it's all about, well, how do you define protagonist? Is it just the main character? Is it the depth of the character? Like it it, it gets a little slippery because theoretically... Roger Rabbit is a protagonist. He just doesn't have 
the development that you necessarily expect, which I think we'll we'll discuss. I do think they give like more care to uh to Valent, like to Valiant, Valent. Oh, Val- Valiant, Eddie Valiant is definitely the protagonist. It's just if Roger Rabbit is a protagonist. And I actually knew this more. So like, again, under understanding my pick, I knew this more going into picking this one than I did anything about Malphite. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was more of like an interesting pick of reading an animal protagonist, not as literally the one who gets the most... Ar- like screen time and like development throughout but is like a centralized figure and could be like read in its own story i think i think roger rabbit does like his whole theme of like laughter is the best not medicine but weapon uh i think is like really powerful throughout the movie and it also helps eddie a lot through it so i i kind of like that kind of protagonist helping protagonist through a common evil and stuff yeah in a really weird way i think our two animal protagonists, our two animal primary side characters, whatever designation you want to give them, I think they function somewhat similarly. They both like drive the action of the movie because like obviously the tiger being there is the entire second half of the movie in Life of Pi. And in Roger Rabbit, it's his insistence that his marriage is real that incites everything that happens beyond Doom wanting to buy Toontown, you know? Mm hmm. For sure. But another thing I think is interesting relationally, still in capacity to the animal protagonist, is the the sort of mixing of an animated character and a real actor um, that occurs in both of these movies. You know, it's almost in some ways that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is is paving the way for real actors to act opposite <laughs> a, a CGI animal, which I just think is fun. Yeah, I want to talk about it because Bob Hoskins, uh, he actually passed away recently, like within the past year or two, who played Eddie, did so damn well acting with these cartoons, I thought, and integrated them yeah. in real world, even though like the animation isn't like top tier integration CGI or whatever. But I think it's on purpose <laughs> because I mean... Yeah, 1988, that is a reason, but also having the juxtaposition of like Tomb World is its own world outside of everything. How like Eddie does not want to be a part of that world at all. But and also him and Roger have such great chemistry, such a great dynamic duo. He's a great straight man to play off of Roger Rabbit. Like I thought they Mm -hmm. did very well. On the other side, Life of Pi, again, also very well. Uh, Siraj Sharma, who who plays Pi in the bulk of the movie, the the teen the teen one who interacts the most with uh, Richard Parker, the tiger, also does a fantastic job of acting with animated co-star. Fun fact, actually, most of the tiger was CGI, but when the tiger swam in water, it was a real tiger. Yes, they wow. they were never actually in the boat together, but there are a few scenes where there was a real tiger used. Yeah, apparently the tiger oh. was a huge diva on set and didn't want to work <laughs> <laughs> with Siraj Sharma, but that's a whole other thing we could get into. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I definitely the animation, I think, in Roger Rabbit is surprisingly good for being 1988. All of the tunes, I think, are integrated really, really well into the real world. You can see, obviously, that they're animated, but I think for the most part, the animation in that movie is surprisingly good. The one call out I want to make is the eyes of Doom. (laughs) Why didn't they just why didn't they just make him? like a full tune why did they just do his eyes like that i love that shit so it's, it's truly haunting. terrible it's haunting christopher lloyd <laughs> is haunting as as the villain oh my he's god having a lot of fun he's having so much fun yeah that that mm-hmm. made me love christopher lloyd as as much as anyone else that's so good 
I don't know why they I don't know why they did it. <laughs> but I literally think it was just to scare that. We literally see Christopher Lord get we see a human get steamrolled. That was the most like when I was watching that, I was like, holy shit, they just show all all of him completely getting steamrolled. And his sound that he makes, his scream is like <laughs> Fantastic. Also just the element of um because the tunes they are they they are living things. We see a handful of them just die on screen, either through laughing so hard they die or getting dipped in um what are they do they just the call dip. it dip? It's just the dip, the dip. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, again, I think that's something that's just really just the the like sexual themes, the actual murder uh, that we see <laughs> feels pretty intense for uh, what what is like a Disney sanctioned production um, and use yeah. of their characters. So bold of their characters, like they literally put like Betty Boop, like Ron, like Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse is like, oh, you'll probably die. <laughs> like, what in the world is this movie? That's why I had so much fun. It felt like such a deconstruction and like self aware thing. Even though the mouse is scary uh, the mouse referring to just disney as a whole yeah you don't own us disney you can't control us i thought us. you meant mouse hunt no <laughs> no mouse hunt is, is less scary. i just can't escape him <laughs> can we also talk about how jessica rabbit is one of the best animated characters of all she's time? not bad she's just drawn that way oh my god such a fantastic line i love jessica rabbit so much she's such a well-written character yeah. To like be written as the ultimate femme fatale and then totally defy it by the end of the movie. Completely subvert it. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you with him? Why are you with Roger? I gotta know. He makes me laugh. And that's it. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> when I was a little kid being bullied, <laughs> when I was a little kid being like bullied, and all going? I had was my laughter and humor and seeing this movie and seeing <laughs> Jessica Rabbit being this like attractive, whatever, attracted to Roger Rabbit just for he makes me laugh. I was like, I have a shot in life. I have a shot. <laughs> Honestly, with that in mind, <laughs> it so much makes sense for you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying like i want to like sleep with a cartoon i'm just saying that he's not not saying it though and that's my talk about roger Rabbit. <laughs> so something i do want to talk about just in general and also i think we should probably circle back to the conversation on animal protagonists and how effectively they're done because it's the heart of this bracket I do think one of the, the the two most standout pieces of Life of Pi definitely come down to just how visually striking the movie is. They do a lot of really interesting things with the visuals. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, um, I do think it is sort of this investigation, not specifically of faith, but of this relationship of faith and reason. Yeah. That is like the message the movie communicates at the end with, hey, do we believe that Pi is actually Richard Parker, you know, mm -hmm. coming down to personal choice? That is like a through line that runs throughout the movie. And so I think that those are the probably the two strongest elements of the film. Yeah, I love the rational versus religious thinking. This is just an observation in general of this film, especially because I really enjoy the depiction of religious crisis in a child growing up depicted through these different religions. And this is done well in a yeah. couple of movies in general, but especially talking about Western beliefs versus Eastern beliefs. But they I just think something that's super interesting. And this is this is literally it might not have to do with this, but just something I want to talk about. They never talk about Judaism in comparison. And I kind of wish they also did in the film. Slash, I don't know if in the book they do extensively. It just would be very interesting to see. And I wonder why it's not mentioned. Uh, besides, they mention it in a passing mention, like he teaches the Kabbalah and that stuff. But yeah, yeah, they never go into depths about it. And like as someone who who is Jewish and we're all 
Jewish, right? I mean, like Jewish. Whoa, but, right? <laughs> have some Jewish heritage. And we have some Jewish heritage in here. I noticed that too, especially with like with Judaism's relationship with doubt and like with questioning and all that. It's surprising that it's not brought up because it fits so perfectly. In relation to Roger Rabbit, though, I think it's interesting talking about rational versus religious thinking with Roger Rabbit and like Eddie's. I know it's more silly, but whole laughter is the best weapon or medicine and trying to not think so rationally like Eddie does or so serious. Rational versus irrational. Exactly. Or, rational know. versus like chaos and something. So I think they're kind of getting yeah. into a similar territory, which I think is super interesting, like embracing chaos slash embracing whatever you choose you want to believe in. Yeah, I think. Mm. I know mm. I just I just blew their minds, guys. You, you're you can't see them right now, but they're all like clapping. They're clapping and they're bowing and they're like, wow, this is a fantastic <laughs> point that you just made I about have these. a what? philosophy degree and I'm going to mail it to you because it's <laughs> I have no use for it anymore. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'll find a use for it. As well. I got a film degree. I don't know how to process all of this deep intellectual thought. <laughs> Circling back to the conversation of, hey, what are these animals doing? Are they the protagonist? Who's protagonizing more? <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I still don't know. I think ultimately it will come down to each of our individual personal preferences of is Pi the tiger? Because for me, if Pi is not the tiger, Richard Parker is not a protagonist because he threatens Pi's life the entire time he's on the boat. And while he keeps Pi alive by keeping him alert and giving him something to do, he also is a danger and a threat to him the entire time. You can read not him as like, an antagonist for sure, but I don't think that's the purpose of the film. No. I don't think that's the purpose of the film. I think the point of Richard Parker leaving without looking back at Pi, I think is saying like he's an animal that didn't fully process what was happening. Like he he did not think of me the way that I thought of him as a partner. Do you guys think that Richard Parker didn't see him as a friend or did see him as a friend? Like, what, where was your stance on that? Assuming that they're two different people, which I mean, I, again, I, I think it's supposed to be more up in, in the air. And I think both are like definitely real realities. I think for me, based on him leaving into the woods, like he he doesn't. Richard Parker doesn't have that same perspective that Pi has, which makes me think he's not a protagonist. If Richard Parker was Richard Parker. <laughs> If Richard Parker was Richard Parker, that Richard Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Richard Parker? I love how, like, if someone really had it, like, caught on, like, if we didn't specify that Richard Parker was the tiger, we're just talking about <laughs> yeah, this if random we dude. didn't say that Richard Parker was the tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I should have maybe said that during my um, description, but these guys rushed me in writing it. I didn't have my 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, we gave him, like, instead, like, five or ten. <laughs> it was awful about <laughs> Hey, I will not have this blasphemous <laughs> talk rewind i'm gonna leave that only in i'm just gonna leave (laughs) we've already done that bit before we can't have the we can't have a hamilton bit in our sixth episode when we've only you know (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Ah! (laughs) there we go great point matt thank you thank you thank you so i think in terms of does richard parker view their relationship the same way that Pi does. I don't think that they necessarily view it the same way, but I don't think I agree that it's like purely an antagonistic one or purely an like a purely animalistic one. Some of that, I think, just comes down to the through line theming you see in the, the film itself. 
So I do think there's like there, there's a very purposeful connection between the leaving of the carnivorous island and the arrival in what is it a coast in Mexico mm-hmm. of Pi makes the comment that he can't leave without Richard Parker. He you know knows he's going to show up. And then you see the reverse of that with Richard Parker leaving without waiting for Pi. I think that indicates they don't view the relationship the same way. However, I do think that this symbiotic like purposive piece of they both were eventually came to living for one another indicates to me that it's a little more than just like a purely antagonist like antagonistic yeah yeah i also think it's very important to realize that richard parker stopped at the forest and i think if we look about if we think about realistically what's what richard parker supposed to do stay there a random person sees a tiger with a human leg on the sound like what are they supposed to do like go with them they walk up hey doc we need 40 cc's on pie like it's, it's not gonna happen that way i think it was really richard parker like standing there the fact that he paused and Pi being really sad that he didn't turn around, but it was a realistic, I need to move on with my life because we survive for each other. We will always have that. And it was more Pi just being so sad that he couldn't tell Richard Parker and that he couldn't tell his family, I love you. Thank you for everything that you gave. Yeah. And Richard Parker hadn't found God yet. So <laughs> <laughs> Richard, Parker- he had more to do. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that this is the origin story for the Frosted Flakes mascot? It's crazy (laughs) that Richard Parker became a corporate sellout. Crazy that Richard Parker changes his name to Tony the Tiger and gets an ascot and, you know, goes to town. And it gets really uncomfortable when all the furries are trying to get with him on Twitter. (laughs) And then Chester the Cheetah swoops in and takes (laughs) takes the fan base. Isn't it crazy how if you listen to all of Life of Pi, like through the credits, you just heard at the end an audio cue that was like, it ain't easy being cheesy. And on the thing, it said Chester Cheetah will return for Life of Pi 2. Like, did did y'all see the same movie? I did. I I think it's it's in production. Okay, cool, cool. I don't get why Pi didn't just like eat all the bags of Cheetos that he had, <laughs> like in the bottom of the boat. Like, yeah, he had Canada Dry and Cheetos. Come on, dude. Sponsor us, sponsor us, sponsor us, sponsor us, sponsor us. At Tough Cut Pod, always be plug in. <laughs> we do have a letterbox as well, guys. Follow us on Letterboxd. Yeah, check out, check out our funny film reviews. Anyway, I think that I'm ready to vote. Yeah, I guess so. This is a this is a really interesting one. I I'm 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 torn. I am torn. I am torn about it, especially because like these are so interesting that they met up on the bracket because it is a live action thing versus an animated thing and then blending so well. And I think they're the only ones on the list that are like that. Correct. Like it's live action and cartoon with an animated. Yeah. I mean, Paddington. Well, I mean, Paddington, we know he's a a wizard bear. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) I totally forgot about Paddington. Yeah, I I view him as he's so human to me, guys. He's just so human to me. I mean, he's real. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew. uh, He's real. Wow. Matthew got real upset. Planning a trip to London. I'm going to I'm going to see him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Matthew, you should you should vote. You should vote. Yeah, I know. I know. Matt, it's been three days. We're doing this bit again? Is this the Dead Bits episode? (laughs) Wow, I can't believe Matt's voting for Mouse Hunt as a protest vote. That's fucking fantastic. I'm actually voting for Godfather Part (laughs) 2. Yeah, because Corleone is an animal. Damn. Damn. That's deep. Yeah. I have a film and now a philosophy degree courtesy of Matthew Lerner. I thought we were cutting that part out. (laughs) You'll never know. (laughs) Matthew, are you ready? I'm so sorry. I just, I can't. I don't know.
Yeah. No, they, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. We're taking we're taking a little bit to think about this. I've written it down. Jake, do you want to go first? Yeah, this was super difficult. It doesn't help my whole my whole crisis that I've had while filming this podcast, but I'm going against my own pick and I'm picking Life of Pi. Wow. Wow. I was going to vote for Life of Pi and during the process of voting, I scratched it out and I voted for Roger Rabbit. Wow. That's so crazy because I was going to vote for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but then switched it to Life of Pi. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) That's actually pretty crazy. I was going to vote for Life of Pi, and the reason I ended up not voting for it is because I think, in my opinion, the tiger is not a protagonist. So the only reading where the animal is the protagonist is a reading, for me, where Pi is actually the tiger. Because Pi is the protagonist. So if he's the tiger, then the tiger has actual is actually a protagonist. Sure. But I don't view I view the other reading. So And I think I went against Roger Rabbit kind of for a similar reason where I think it's so interesting for talking about a protagonist, having this internal like, is this other character who is an animal like part of it, like part of the protagonist talk? I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. As much as I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I genuinely think it's an hilarious movie. I think Life of Pi is a little more interesting as a protagonist to move on. So, Jake. Here's what I want to say as the two people in this bracket that pitched movies that didn't have animal protagonists. I want to say I love you, buddy. No bad blood on Mouse Hunt. No bad blood on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. These are all great movies. I love you. (laughs) I hate the word buddy, but I love you, too. (laughs) Jake, at the end of this bracket, I want you to remember one thing. What you've done. If if your movies don't move on. I voted for Roger Rabbit. <laughs> hey, <That's-> wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> really, really is the dead bits episode. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, let's, let's get into the second half of the bracket, guys. I'm excited. So on the second half of the bracket here, we've got the adventures of Milo and Otis going up against the fantastic Mr. Fox. Once again, we want to throw out a content warning for The Adventures of Milo and Otis. While animal abuse is not shown in the movie explicitly, it's very apparent that it animals were abused in the production of the movie, and that is something that we will be discussing. Yes. With that, I can get into the introduction of the movie. The Adventures of Milo and Otis was released in the U.S. in 1989, directed by Masanori Hata. From a, an initial glance, it's a cute little story about a pug and a kitty cat who leave the farm that they were born on and go on a great adventure, eventually growing up and returning to the farm with their new families to start a new life. I watched this movie a lot when I was a little kid. Uh, it was a movie that I always watched when I went to my aunt's house. Knowing nothing of its production, I loved it as a kid. It it is something for me that was, it was a cute movie about some animals and I really enjoyed it. And I will also say early on in this podcast, Jake gave a challenge to me and Matt of finding a movie that he has never seen before. And I did that with Milo Notice. He had never seen this movie. I want to raise this challenge to a new level, a movie that Jake has never seen that is not incredibly problematic. Yeah, um, I was actually gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, I actually feel kind of glad that I had never seen this movie before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. What What do you think about it? So, I mean, watching it, I was excited because this was a film I hadn't seen before, and I have watched like a shit ton of films 
I when I was first watching it, I, I had a weird nostalgia, similar nostalgia of watching this in class. It almost felt like this. This almost felt like <laughs> Animal Farm got a spinoff series and you watched it in an English class. <laughs> I don't know. And then I kept watching it and it felt more and more like a National Geographic feature. And I just kind of had more existential crisis on existential crisis thinking about how they filmed the movie, what was going on. Look, the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie are incredibly sweet and endearing. Milo and Otis are cute and whatever sweet protagonists. But I did have a crisis and we'll get into it later on. But it it spiraled for me (laughs) at the end. (laughs) Yeah. So I think a somewhat similar position to Jake. I'd never seen this movie before watching it. Yeah, you know, it, it. those animals, they're just so cute. It's just like all sorts of cute little animals rolling around, having a good time. And then the, you know, you you get into the, the real heart of the movie and you play it under the soundtrack. They're just like the cries of the little kitten. And it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, God. Oh, no. And then you fall down the rabbit hole where you start looking at the clips that were cut from the American version and are in the original Japanese There's release. Like and you're 15 like, 15 minutes. <laughs> Yikes. It's so interesting because this film was the number one Japanese film on the domestic market in 1986. It literally was the third highest grossing film ever in Japan, beaten only by E.T. and a movie called Antarctica. So people loved this movie, but there was there was uproar about it. And for those who haven't seen it slash don't want to see it or whatever, um, this isn't animated. This is literally there are real animals with narration playing over it, creating and crafting a story. So yeah. I think that's also like an important thing to realize when we're all like, and, oh, yeah. And it's by no means supposed to be like a, a like a dark or a serious movie. It's as Alex said, just supposed to be like a, a happy little romp with some very cute animals, which it is for some of its runtime. <laughs> yeah, I can introduce the next movie. So the final movie in Animal Protagonist is one I'm actually very, very excited about. I knew this movie would eventually end up in this this podcast idea just because it's listed in my personal movies that have impacted me a lot as a kid. Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson, 2009. It's based on the children's book by Rodal. It's the story of a fox who suffers a midlife crisis and begins to steal food <laughs> from these three mean and wealthy farmers. They wise up to his schemes and chaos ensues. I also just realized that midlife crisis is a theme in three of our movies here in <laughs> Animal Protagonist. So that's exciting. I asked this question about for a lot of my friends where I asked them to tell me not their five favorite movies, but the five movies that have most impacted them in life. And I asked for like their detailed reasonings about it. And I think it reveals a lot about someone. And this is, has always been on my list growing up. I genuinely love this movie. I think it has a lot of whimsy and a lot of character that I really appreciate. And I'm excited to talk about it. So yeah, what do you guys think? This was a movie that probably for many, for at least a year knowing Jake, that I pretended that I had seen. Because this movie is absolutely up my alley. I just had never seen it. Uh, I love Wes Anderson. (laughs) And Jake knew going into this bracket that I had never seen this movie. So I must have revealed it to him at some point. Yeah, Um, yeah, you, you did. But... Yeah, I it was absolutely great. So many stellar performances, so much just style from Wes Anderson. Uh, It was great. Yeah. So in terms of my thoughts on this movie, I have such a close place at heart for it. I think that anyone who like enjoys Wes Anderson's filmmaking, you have that special place for your first Wes Anderson movie. Mm. This was that for me. So I have like a super Mm. special place in my heart for this movie. I think it has so much character. It has such incredible casting, such great writing, spectacular visuals. 
I love this movie through and through. Uh, and it was so much fun to rewatch. It's so good. Yeah. It, it really is. I think it, it's funny because a lot of people, they hear Wes Anderson and it feels like very like filmy because he, he also doesn't do well in the box office. Even though a lot of people hear the name, they don't really go out to watch his movies. I think the Jumanji mm-hmm. movie, this is a fun fact, but made more through almost all of his box offices movies in just one movie, The, the wow. Rock one, not not the Robin Williams one. Which actually surprisingly good. No, yeah, th- those those are like fun movies, but I just think it's so wild that like people know about Wes Anderson, but they don't they don't go out to see his stuff, which is so interesting because I feel like his stuff is so enjoyable. I think just on every level, I feel like they would be movies that like anyone watching it would love it. You know, it's just getting people to see it. Yeah, I actually am curious. So is this is stop motion, correct? Yeah, the, this is stop motion. It's, very, very, uh, it's wow. so good. This it's is so, so and like they literally in every single like they were no shortcuts they took in the production of this. Like even the the one scene that stands out to me is like the kitchen scene where you see all those different things in play and all the people in foreground background. But even like the mug is a real life miniature rendition of Road Doll's mug. All the newspaper clippings like are actual things. It's either pages from the actual book or his column that he writes. If you pa- I don't know if any of you paused to read the column. It reveals a lot about Foxy's character and a lot of great development stuff. Like it is very good writing, very good talking about his midlife crisis and putting everything into a bow about his character. Like they <laughs> yeah. really went into detail with this movie and it's fantastic. Truly is. Truly is. Yeah. A comparison I can do that I thought was really interesting was in relation to Fas- uh, Milo Notice and Fantasmus Fox, where you have this sophisticated narration of animals simply trying to live their lives in Milo Notice. And then in Fantastic Mr. Fox, because I watched the American version. And then in Fantastic yes. Mr. Fox, you have a dom- like domesticated animals and the fox feeling like he's a wild animal and giving them an actual voice instead. But it's also very like sophisticated, but they actually are allowed to like mm-hmm. speak and like move and stuff. So Foxy has a sophistication, but he claims he's wild, where Milo Nose are actually wild, but are talked about sophisticatedly. Yeah, it's an interesting comparison. So it's almost like Milo and Otis feels very, before we think too, too hard about how they filmed this movie, if they just filmed the, um, I I, I like to think of the first 10, 15 minutes of Milo and Otis, because it really was just animals being cute romping around. If they just filmed Mm -hmm. the animals and then crafted a story behind it, that would have been like, that feels creative and fun. And that's what I thought the movie was going to be. And then it revolved into something else. Exactly the same for me. But Fantastic Mr. Fox makes the characters way more interesting. And it's it's genuine human nature and like humanizing these these characters when a theme is being yourself or being wild or like, what does that mean? Yeah, just directly related to that. One of the specifics I want to call out that I think is just so cool is I think that in Fantastic Mr. Fox, the writing for the characters and just how in in terms of that, how humanized they are, they are like such realized, flawed characters. They're not like caricatures of an animal. Yeah. You know, they 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 come across as a like fully realized character, which has such a care and attention to detail that you you don't see in fully live action, well acted movies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going the additional distance on a stop motion. I mean, I have a special, I have a love for stop motion. A children's stop motion. Like this was based on a children's book. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I also love like a child. It's so difficult for a child to understand what a midlife crisis is and to (laughs) do it from the perspective of an animal protagonist that their midlife crisis is trying to, in a way, be a wild animal. That's what an animal's midlife crisis is. 
so such genius, beautiful writing. Obviously, some of that is credit to Roald Dahl, but I mean, the way that Wes Anderson interprets it is so good. Yeah, I mean, there's also so many little parts about uh, that theme that I think like play a a little better into what Milo Notice is trying to do by having narration be a part of like thinking about wild animals and then talking about something and making it sophisticated, making like nature in its rawest form sophisticated. There are these little moments where Mr. Fox is like reading the newspaper, do whatever. And then as soon as he eats, randomly goes in and like does like (laughs) like, (laughs) thing. And then also like. Yeah. He's stealing whatever they they get run down. They get chased into the bunkers. As soon as they have food again, it's back to jazz pianos, toast, casually talking about a tale. Like they immediately go back to being like these sophisticated whatever. Back to first world problems and performance. Even mm-hmm. though there are all these hints of them being just more wild and rugged, like they just were digging all crazy, and that was the whole thing. Like I don't know. I think it's very well done. Truly. Yeah, I think so too. Another interesting comparison that I want to bring up is music in the two movies, because I have a very special thought on the music in Milo and Otis, but that could be because I watched the movie when I was four years old and the gonna take a walk outside today has been stuck in my head for 20 years. That shit slaps. I can't lie to you. That shit slaps. I literally <laughs> listened to it and felt like the toughest kid in the playground. I was like, no one can fuck with me. I'm going to find the shiniest rock. I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to forget about it. And no one can tell me otherwise i just i just keep going back to like this is the sweetest little movie the music in it is so sweet the story of the animals is so cute and sweet and it i i'm just so disappointed to learn about its production because i wish it was so different and it just makes me so sad it actually got acclaimed for its music in japan i think like people actually really did like it which as the I think the one of the three of us that watched. Um, so I watched the American version and then watched portions of the Japanese one. The Japanese version is scored by Ryuchi Sakamoto, who is like a fairly famous composer. Yes, thank you. And yeah, the the score in that version, truly very, very good. It's a little more subdued, uh, which I kind of like. Yeah, no, that like that's a, a very, very good yeah. point. I kind of wish like I watched the Japanese version, even though it seems a lot harsher because I did like the the music in the American version, whatever, again, in the beginning. But just because this had silly music and narration doesn't mean that they were putting these ad- like it felt like when I was watching a lot of scenes that it felt very almost to the point where I thought they were doing it on purpose for comedy, having pleasant things while like a bear attacks a dog. If the film would have been safer, like its first third, it would have been a very fun movie with like the things. But more and more when I heard the fun music on backgrounded to all these like really intense things happening to these animals in nature, I thought I was like, either they're doing this on purpose or it's in very poor taste and they're trying to hide something. That's one of the things that comes through in the American version really, really apparently is the music is really overly cheery, which it posed in contrast to like you can like quietly hear the I mentioned earlier, like the cries of a kitten underscoring the like happy, cheery music. The more subdued soundtrack in the Japanese version interacts with it a little bit more differently. Which just like makes me wonder, it's much more apparent that they seem like they're hiding the fact that these (laughs) animals were mistreated in production in the American version than it is in the Japanese one. 
Yeah. Which is just like really fascinating to me. This is a random thing that like where this film turned terrifying with me, where the narrator's voice for the bound with me deer section reminded me of the Charlie the Unicorn YouTube videos. It literally was like, bound with me, bound with me, Otis or Milo, bound with me. It was so scary. I was literally like, this is a fucking nightmare. This is a horror nightmare. And I also want to point out that Milo and Otis knocked up these animals in the middle of a harsh winter. All right. Yeah, that was that was something I took notes on, which, yeah. So towards the very end of the movie, Milo and Otis meet their romantic partners and then immediately get them pregnant. And we get to see the birds live on screen. Yeah, Yeah. forgot Uh, about that part. So you get you get to see the bloody birthing coming out of like, you know, animal vaginas. And I was like, I didn't expect that to see that today. Wow. Both yeah, Alex and I picked uh, movies where we really probably didn't remember as much as we should have. Yeah. Uh, w- one more thing I just want to call out that's a-, a little on the more lighthearted side of Milo Notice. In the opening narration in the American version, they they have the line as some animals quietly plotted revenge and they <laughs> yeah, cut to a rabbit. So and funny. I was like, is are, are they like gonna somehow set this up for the rabbit to be like a primary antagonist? And no, the answer is literally no <laughs> yeah it was so like no. there are such dark undertones to this movie that are just so like one i thought that line was funny i was like oh haha like the rabbit's gonna get the hijinks but <laughs> then when it's know. never addressed again <laughs> it's fucking terrifying that mixed with the deer yeah. the bat yeah it's ter- it's a terrifying little movie yeah it definitely has its issues <laughs> that's to put it kindly certainly putting you it could very see, kindly audience if you could see how dejected alex looks give him some love if you can just reach out support him because i think we might have just ruined a childhood favorite of his and I'm well so it sorry. wasn't even like a childhood favorite this was just like i literally watched this movie every single time i went to my aunt's house for a good probably six years um wow. and it's just like and that was the past six years guys yeah, that was last. That was last Wednesday. Um, no, but I mean, it's it's watching a movie that when you were a child was just like was such a nice, sweet little thing, and then you watch it again, and everything is wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel yeah, like it's I would bad. have very similar feelings if I'd seen this as a kid because I am. It, it's like if you read the Paddington Brown books and then found out later that Paddington Brown was actually written by H.P. Lovecraft. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I just want to call out uh, another little thing. I'm looking at my notes for this movie, and I have like my my first third. I'm just like, oh, they're so cute. Quietly prodded revenge. Uh, I feel like this is just filmed by like watching the animals play with each other, yeah. and they just put like built a story with narration. Amazing. Like the like super obvious cuts. I'm like, oh, it's kind of fun. And then it dramatically shifts, and the rest of them, I have like s- like frowny faces at the end of every note. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, genuinely concerned because I-, I was too. I was like, oh, obvious cuts or whatever. But then I was like obvious cuts what are they cut (laughs) it was really really Uh, hey i'm very happy they found their way home with their families in the end when they when milo notice were able to introduce each other like uncle this is uncle otis sweet that's sweet but i am saying that i am ready to vote (laughs) right now (laughs) i am very ready to to vote sure i have a strong feeling that we don't really need to take this one to a vote I'm pretty sure it's going to be a unanimous three for Fantastic Mr. Fox. I I, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. All right. Here, include your best bit right now.
They both find love, <laughs> Sandra and Joyce. Wow. So actually, okay, what what I, what I want to say. So yeah, we're all three voting for Fantastic Mitch Fox. It does move on. I am kind of upset that my one film that's moving on is based on it almost seems like it's a freebie and i'm like damn it (laughs) here's what i want to say to that is i think even if animals hadn't been very apparently harmed in the making of the adventures of milo and otis i still think fantastic mr fox absolutely would have won i think so as well Jake, I will also say that's how I'm feeling. My only movie moving on is SpongeBob, and that was because of Mouse Hunt. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Alex and I have similar existential crisis. That's that's so great. Whereas I only picked, I only pitched two, and both of them heading further into the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to knock uh, down Matthew a peg, just like spite vote look, him every time. You guys, you guys voted out the Godfather Part Two, the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate spite vote against me. The sequel bracket didn't matter after that point <laughs> what? Oh that's a joke God. that's a joke it's a huge honor to win <laughs> speaking of a huge honor from this episode we've got life of pie and fantastic mr fox moving on which means that next week we will have two matchups paddington 2 going up against the spongebob squarepants movie and life of pie going up against fantastic mr fox that's going to be some fun conversations. I do think these are exciting matchups, and I'm, I'm excited to talk more about these in depth. Should be a should be a good semifinals. Remember, if you like the show, tell your friends, subscribe, all that media engagement stuff. You <laughs> sticky, sticky. Wow, I really <laughs> thought that you were saying all that meaty engagement, <laughs> all that meaty engagement. That we talked about Paddington's meat in the last episode. We can't keep. Welcome to the Dead Bit episode. <laughs> Check us out on all your favorite listening platforms. Follow us at Tough Cut Pod on all your favorite socials, unless you reuse very avant-garde and out there platforms that we don't even know exist. And if they do, you should tweet about them at us so we can maybe make an account. Yeah, and again, we're releasing these episodes on a weekly basis, so let us know what you think should have won, what you're rooting for as we move on to the semifinals. It's going to be a fun time. We're really excited. And truly, guys, thank you so so much for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate it. We know that it's it's a lot to, to watch movies and also listen. We appreciate your time, and we appreciate you. That's it. We appreciate you. We fucking hate you. Are one of you are a valid human being. <laughs> one of you we hate. Except you for have one to of figure you. out who it yeah. is. One of you we absolutely <laughs> fucking despise. If it's you and you know it's you, fight us. <laughs> we'll send our address in our email if you email us. <laughs> well, hope to see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh.